Baseball Tonight, the podcast. This is the Baseball Tonight podcast for Friday, April 1st, 2022. And today will be better than yesterday. Producing from his home studio in the foothills of Connecticut is Taylor Schwink. I'm Buster only working from my home in New York, where there's a lot of concern this morning because Jacob DeGrom, who had so many injury issues last year, was limited to 15 starts felt tightness in his right shoulder while uh, playing long toss and he's been scratched from his scheduled spring start later today. We expect to get more information as this podcast moves along about Jacob DeGrom possibly having an MRI today. Chicago White Sox shortstop Tim Anderson had his season opening suspension reduced from three games to two games uh, after a confrontation with an umpire. Uh, last September. The Kansas City Royals have decided to keep Mike Matheny through at least the 2023 season. They picked up his option yesterday. Albert Pools, Cardinals' new DH, talked with our Marley Rivera, and Marley asked him whether or not his goal is to get 700 home runs. Remember, he needs 21 more. I don't, I, I just don't get <laughs> caught up in that, you know, and I think that's something that, you know, 22 years later, going into my 22 season in the big leagues, like, I don't want to change all of a sudden, you know, and try to chase numbers, you know, uh, because chasing numbers like chasing a ghost, you know, you, you can't do that. I mean, if you would have asked me in 2001, if we go 20, 21 years back and tell me that I was going to see here chasing 700, I would have said, you crazy. Since the last podcast, the Cardinals had a pretty good offensive day against the Washington Nationals. This was from a couple days ago in the top of the ninth inning, the sound from KMOX. Uh, Campy Camp and Harris, this is Mr. and Mrs. Jones from over here in Blue Springs. There's a line drive in the right center field. That's going to get down. The run's going to score. It is now 29-8, to eight, Cardinals. So Connor Capel. Have a day. Four RBIs. Do I hear 30? And then we're going to cut it off. <laughs> and they did. 29-8. to eight. Even in spring training, when more runs are scored, that was not a classic uh, spring training game. So, Taylor, the other day, ordered some tickets to a game in San Diego. Uh, it's a Saturday before Sunday night game. Pretty fired up about that. Ooh, I know you like your little uh, pre-Sunday night baseball excursion. Uh, in San Diego, lovely place to, to take in a game. Probably, w- hopefully, would be a hotter ticket uh, if our guy Fernando Tatis Jr. was playing, but still a hot ticket nonetheless. It will be opening weekend in San Diego. Hot ticket is brought to you by Vivid Seats, where you earn rewards with every purchase. Vivid Seats Rewards is your ticket to more tickets. Vivid Seats, life happens live. Juan Soto doing Juan Soto things for the Nationals. Because it's one of the harder pitches to learn in general. And, uh, Go ahead, call it Now nah, we don't want to call that one. It's not what you want to see. But that guy's uh, that guy's good. I think that's pretty well established. That guy's pretty good. Yeah, Juan Soto's always getting it done. The ones who get it done is brought to you by Granger. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers supplies and solutions for every industry, backed by 24-7 support and access to product specialists. Call, click Granger.com or stop by. Taylor, what else you got? Buster, it is last call for bald men on campus as we uh, look down the barrel of an exciting Final Four this weekend. That's Saturday evening, but uh, check out 
Seth Greenberg, Jay Billis, Lafonso Ellis cutting it up about Duke, North Carolina, just a huge matchup and Kansas Villanova, uh, which should be a lot of fun to check out bald men on campus, wherever you listen to your podcasts. Vivid seats wants to get you to the games you love this spring experience every pitch assist and game winning shot live and in person. And the best part, each transaction is a step toward a free 11 ticket with Vivid Seats rewards. Score unbeatable perks like free tickets, surprise seat upgrades, and annual birthday deals. As the official ticketing partner of ESPN, Vivid Seats is offering you $20 off your first $200 ticket purchase with Code Baseball. That's Code Baseball. Visit VividSeats.com or download the app today. Vivid Seats. Experience it live. Dogs are an important part of our lives, and keeping them protected is a top priority, especially against nasty parasites. That's why you got to check out NexGuard Plus, a Foxaloner, Moxidectin, and Pyrantal chewable tablets. NexGuard Plus chews provide one-and-done monthly protection that kills fleas and ticks, prevents heartworm disease, plus it treats and controls roundworms and hookworms. That's a whole lot of protection packed into a delicious beef-flavored soft chew designed to make monthly dosing easy and enjoyable. So the next time you're at the vet, ask about NexGuard Plus Chews. They're the one-and-done monthly parasite protection you want for your dog. Used with caution in dogs with a history of seizures or neurological disorders. Dogs should be tested for existing heartworm infection prior to starting preventive. It's the Ravi Train with Carl Ravitch. Ravi Train, get ready to leave the station because next Thursday, I know, Carl, you're going to be part of the uh, opening night broadcast down in Atlanta. You've got the Reds against the defending uh, champion Atlanta Braves. And then three days later, your uh, debut as play-by-play man on Sunday Night Baseball with David Cohn and Eduardo Perez. Yeah, we were, I was just doing some research on the Atlanta Braves and I'm sort of on the Matt Olson chapter and the stars aligning for Matt Olson uh, with regards to like buying a home in Atlanta and then he gets traded to Atlanta and he buys the home without knowing he's getting traded to Atlanta, let alone anywhere. Uh, and then he signs a huge deal. Hearing you talk about getting ready for an upcoming season and going to Atlanta where they were celebrating a world series in October and then heading to New York for a Red Sox Yankees and to be in the booth for those games. It, it it's, uh, I understand what Olsen was talking about where the stars are aligning and this is such a experience to look forward to and embrace. Yeah. I, I, I can't wait. And the Atlanta component of it. I mean, I know, you know, this, you know, truest park and what they've done around that ballpark and the excitement about the Braves coming off a world series season um, if you're ever going to temper a loss of somebody like Freddie Freeman, Atlanta with a World Series title, a Matt Olson extension and signing, Ronald Acuna coming back, they, they've sold more season tickets this year than they've ever sold. So they're they're really feeling feeling great about themselves and riding high, and I can't wait to be back in that environment. Yeah, uh, my favorite story from the Matt Olson uh, whirlwind, that was the word he used about those 24 hours, uh, less than that, in fact. Uh, when the Atlanta Braves made the trade with Oakland, you know, he gets word of the trade and Alex Anthopoulos, the Braves general manager, calls him and says to him, hey, I'm going to come out at you hard right away. We want to sign you to a long term deal. And that was about noon, one o'clock Eastern time when that conversation took place. 
Alex called B.B. Abbott, uh, Olson's agent, uh, right after that. And then uh, hours later, as Olson's getting ready to board a plane in Arizona, B.B. Abbott tells him, look, you you know, make sure you're on Wi-Fi because I might have to get some approval from you about some deals. And so just hours later, after just a little bit of haggling, uh, B.B. texts Matt that, yes, the Braves offer is one hundred and sixty eight million dollars. And part <laughs> of Olson's reaction, other than a, a, a profanity like, right. <laughs> like you know, holy crap, uh, was to ask BB. He was so stunned by the all these turn of events. He asked him if the contract was guaranteed. <laughs> <laughs> he forgot what sport he was playing. Hey, hell, you're thirty thousand feet up there, and all this stuff is going on. I, look, that's a that's a hard one. I thought he was going to ask BB if this if he was if this any of this was real. Like, am I sleeping? Is any of this happening? Um, it is an incredible stars aligning story. It really is. It's amazing. Yeah, that uh, that was certainly a surprising turn of events. And it feels like with Jacob deGrom, uh, this is not at all surprising. In fact, every time after they signed Max Scherzer, you know, there was uh, the excitement in the media. Wow. You know, you've got Max Scherzer, you got Jacob deGrom. And the whole time my thought was you have to qualify everything with if they stay healthy, because it feels like after what we saw with DeGrom last year, it was inevitable that we could potentially see a breakdown. What about for you? Whoa. Oh, a hundred percent. Yeah. I, you know, I, I don't know. I, I know he came in, he looked a little bit stronger as if he was, you know, trying to build up around it so that none of these things would happen. And then having shoulder tightness, I don't know the way it played out yesterday was, you know, Buck, Show Walter had a press conference and then, then he went back out later to say, I uh, just want to let everybody know that we're, we're dealing with Jacob deGrom. He's got some shoulder tightness and uh, we'll, we'll know more tomorrow, meaning today. And uh, yeah, I, there, there's a, there's a huge level of concern. And I, I think to some extent, even though we saw Scherzer during the world series with the nationals, uh, you know, wake up and couldn't get out of bed. It's incredible how durable he has been over his career. Um, and you're in this you're in this period with Jacob where it feels like you're you're on eggshells, and you just know that the next step, the next day, the next outing uh, can can be a real bad one. You know, we're watching the UConn women buster play in the NCAA tournament in the Final Four, and of course, their best player, Paige Beckers, hurt her knee during the season. And every time I watch them play, and we watch a lot. I always wonder to myself, like, how healthy is that? And is this the is this the step that's going to cause it to kind of re-injure itself? That's how I feel about DeGrom every time he's gone out there since these injuries began to crop up. And it's, it's such an easy tease because I do think Jacob even compromised is better than 95% of the pitchers. That, that's the teaser in all this, how good he is, even if he's – even if he's not a hundred percent and holding out hope that he was going to somehow be a hundred percent. That seemed, seemed like fool's gold. And certainly this shoulder issue was a big concern. Some somebody within the organization, when I said, give me a, give me a level of concern, one to 10, they pegged it at a five and that's before, before they get the imaging results, which I think is happening today. Yeah, I would put the level of concern uh, that I think any you know most people would have at about a nine or ten working in baseball, just because the well, history. I would agree. Um, yeah. And look, uh, you know, I tend to think now of Max Scherzer, uh, and by the way, just as you just mentioned, that got confirmation that as we speak, 
Jacob deGrom is going for an MRI uh, yeah, this course. morning. So, uh, you know, I tend to think now of Max Scherzer as being an outlier, much in the same way Nolan Ryan was an outlier in terms of how much Max throws, how durable yep. he is. You know, yeah, yep. people for years would say, just do the same throwing program as Nolan Ryan. And I'd be like, nah, no, yeah, like this guy is just a freak. <laughs> Max Scherzer is a freak. Jacob deGrom, on the other hand, it's a normal trajectory to me in terms of his injuries because you know, I've had front office people say, if you want to know that the greatest predictor, the most uh, accurate predictor of injuries, it's previous injuries. And if you look at Jacob DeGrom, you know, May 4th of last year, scratched from a start because of a right side issue, uh, May 9th, placed on the injured list, June 11th, uh, right elbow issue, left to start early, June 16th, right shoulder issue, left to start early. Uh, he had a right forearm issue on July 18th. Uh, and then, of course, he was placed in the injured list, didn't make any more starts, finished with just 15 starts. I, I, and when he said a couple of weeks ago, and I, you know, I love Jacob DeGrom, you do, too, uh, in terms of you know, how good of a pitcher he is. When he said two weeks ago, yeah, I'm opting out of the rest of my contract mm. after this year, I was shaking my head. I'm like, you, you don't know that. You just don't know right. that because we might have another breakdown. Of course. And uh, thankfully, I don't think you're right. You know, you didn't sign anything that said, yes, I'm opting out. So you, you could probably say, well, I'm obviously not because I got hurt and all this is guaranteed, et cetera. Tough, tough thing to say. Clearly bet on himself the same way that his new teammate, Max Scherzer, has bet on himself time and time again. But that's a that's a huge, huge reason for concern. And now you kind of pivot to. Almost what Alex Anthopoulos did last year when Acuna got hurt. Do, do the Mets now just quickly go out and recognize, e even if he's able to come back, we, we need security. I mean, Chris Bassett is great and Scherzer is great. There's all sorts of uh, optimism and hope about Carrasco and Taiwan Walker. But do Billy Epler and, and Buck and Steve Cohen make it clear, like, all right, let's get let's get Frankie Montas's. Uh, group on the phone let's call Oakland let's figure out how we can plug this hole if he doesn't come back and you know the Braves are a great example they won without Soroka at all last year uh, DeGrom is a next level guy you're losing the best pitcher in baseball when he's right but you you put yourself in a position to be able to to at least compete um, I don't look at them without Jacob as a team that can't do anything I look at them with Jacob as a World Series contender, uh, but they got to they got to do something quickly. I I think, and and given where they're at and what the moves that they've made have have gotten them to, you got to keep going, don't you? Oh, no question. Uh, you pushed a, a huge percentage of your chips for 2022 into the pot. You know, Steve Cohen stepping out, yeah. uh, yep. spending yep. money because he wants to win. Uh, if you can make a deal, then go ahead and do it. And I think that's part of the reason why Oakland um, uh, Oakland basically decided, you know what, we're not getting exactly what we want to get in return for either Sean Maniah or Frankie Montas. And at some point, there's going to be an injury that's going to compel some contender to do something, and this might be the case. Without question. Maybe that's All the right. Michael Conforto thing, too. I know the shoulder thing there, but maybe. Boris is smart. Let, let's wait. Somebody's going to need a center fielder real soon. While you were in, uh, you know, in that area, Mets camp recently, you also stopped by the Cardinals camp. Uh, the other day, Carl, I was on radio in St. Louis and I talked about how uh, they asked me, you know, what, what I think of the Cardinals. And I, I think they're the favorites to win the National League Central. But I mentioned that part of the reason why that is, is because 
Nobody did anything in the division. <laughs> like the Reds, you know, cut back. They traded away a bunch of guys. We know the Pirates are tanking. Uh, the Chicago Cubs made very measured moves. The Brewers, uh, you know, made moves where they reduced, uh, you know, salary on their offensive side. You know, that was their goal. They really didn't add much other than uh, signing and, uh, Andrew McCutcheon. And so I think that's the context within. I look at the Cardinals as being the potential front runner in the Central. What about you? Yeah, you know, I I think that I would pick the Brewers. I think the Brewers are the team to beat. Um, you know, I, I think a lot of the Brewers' issues last year, and we covered them a lot. We were there in the postseason doing their radio. They, look, they could not hit. There's no doubt they could not hit. It was it was terrible. Um, I'm going to bank on Yelich being better. Um, I don't think somebody of his talent could be much worse than he was. I think he's going to be better. Uh, I do think some of the offensive moves, while they cut payroll, I think should improve them. But look, this team wins with pitching and defense and their pitching, uh, assuming health. And I think with at least the three starters, um, there's, there's a, there's a better than average chance they're going to stay healthy. And you bring Williams back with Hayter. Um, I, I think this is, uh, and I think that they, they're they're on the cusp of being able to go out and hopefully being as, as good as they are, as healthy as they are, as deep as they are with their pitching. If we do need to make a move that Stearns and Atanasio will, you know, give them the money they need to go get another bat. Um, to be honest, I, I thought, a guy like Schwarber would have been perfect with the Milwaukee Brewers. Um, but I do think that, that to me, I look at the Cardinals and, and you talk about a, a win now, my gosh, um, Albert going back there is a, is a, you know, a fan favorite move. And it's a, it's kind of a dream come true thing for him, but it reminds me of just where that team is as far as age. I, I think they're, you know, they're, they're obviously old and I think they may be a little, a little too old. I, I wish there was a lot more youth on that team and, and athleticism. Uh, I, I just feel like it's, it's, I'm a little skeptical on the Cardinals relative to the Brewers. I think the Cubs are going to be a little bit better. I don't think they're, I don't think they're in that group, but I think they're going to be competitive. I like the Brewers in that division, to be honest. There's no question that for the Cardinals, uh, the great X factor is Jack Flaherty. Uh, who, yeah. you know, in theory, would be their ace, you know, the the, the young guy who's uh, throwing 180, 200 innings and leading that staff. But I've gotten to the point with Flaherty, Carl, where uh, I, I kind of think of him like DeGrom. There's been enough injury issues, really, since that 2020 COVID season, uh, in which you begin to wonder, okay, how durable is he? In fact, I've wondered, um, you know, that great, uh, I mean, that fun story, it wasn't a great story, but that fun story about how, uh, when the Cardinals were going through COVID protocol and they had players test positive and Jack Flaherty was throwing into a mattress in his hotel room. I've wondered about how that all contributed to where he is now. I, you know, again, you're right. That, but that's an unknown. I, I don't know the answer to that question. I think it's a very legitimate question. Um, but I, unfortunately, once you look, once you begin to have um, a history of injuries you know, it's amazing how long it takes to erase the perception that you're injury prone. I mean, what what do you think that the timeline on that is two to three years of of clean health of making 30 starts a year? Uh, because that that's now the same way Jacob 
DeGrom moving forward is going to be barring surgery and, and the ability to, to fix it is going to be, well, there's an injury risk there. That's yep. how you look at Jack Flaherty. And that's, uh, again, I don't know what, what the, what the time frame is on proving I'm not injury prone, but he's got a ways to go on that. Yeah. And you hope for the best for him and, and uh, that he can get back on the, the mound and, and make his 25 to 30 starts during the course of this season. Uh, before we go, I want to ask you about the comments made by Brian Cashman uh, the other day to the athletic in which he basically talked about how he views the 2017 Yankees as being the champions because in the playoffs that year, the American League Championship Series that year, they were beaten by the Astros. And as we found out later, the Astros were conveying signs in real time to their hitters. And I, Carla, you know, I've thought about this moment. I'll never, you know, I covered that series for ESPN and I'll never forget doing live shots right outside of the Astros clubhouse after they beat the Yankees in that series. And you know where the, the visiting buses are parked. Uh, mm-hmm. they, it, it requires the players to walk right past the home clubhouse. And I'll never forget, you know, Aaron Boone, uh, Aaron Judge passing Astros players who had sort of spilled out into the hallway uh, with family members wearing goggles, all drenched in in spray. Uh, Aaron Boone stopping and congratulating uh, AJ Hinch, the Astros manager at that time. Brian Cashman making a point of going in, and I think it was Hinch that he congratulated. But you know, being a good sport. Uh, and of course, all the information comes out and it's pretty clear from these comments that Brian Cashman is very angry. I just don't know what purpose it serves for him to do this. I think it's a bad idea that he said this out loud. And it's also, quite frankly, it's very presumptuous to, you know, to view the Yankees as the 2017 champions <laughs> when they didn't, in fact, you win think? the World Series. You think? Um, right. I, I, was, I was surprised. I, I, look, I, I guess it's a, a reminder uh, for people who were not necessarily, and I know the question was framed about the Yankees drought, but uh, it's almost a reminder that the Astros won, but their victory was tainted as opposed to really being an indictment on the Yankees who've been you know, successful, but certainly haven't won, uh, won any World Series in a long time. And that, that, that of course, would, would really irk the hell out of me if I was the guy that was in charge of putting the team together. 100% agree on what, what value is there. I don't see any value in it other than to remind people and why what the motivation would be to remind people that the Astros cheated. I, I don't get it. Um, and I do think I, I third, I think it was Chris Russo who went off about uh, steroids, etc. Maybe the year that the Yankees were winning a World Series. I, whatever it may be, it, it opened up a can of worms. He probably didn't need to open or want to open, but I don't, I never looked looked at his comments and said, golly, he's right. Yeah, you know, that would have ended the drought. I, I, there's no connection between the two thoughts. To me, it was more of a, if you wanted to tweak and remind people that it's a tainted World Series, that's what you did. But it certainly didn't lead me to the, the path of, oh, that's right. At the end of the end of the path, there were the Yankees lifting a World Series trophy. Didn't make sense to me. Yeah, Brian Cashman's quote, the only thing that stopped the 2017 Yankees was something that was so <laughs> illegal and horrific. So I get offended when I start hearing we haven't been to the World Series since 2009 because I'm like, well, I think we actually did it the right way, pulled it down, brought it back up, drafted well, traded well, developed well, signed right. well. The only thing that derailed us was a cheating circumstance that threw us off. And look, 
there's, you know, I, I'm one of those that believes that the Astros that year had an advantage uh, over other teams because of the real-time manner in which they conveyed sign-stealing. But I don't think you're going to get a lot of sympathy if you're the general manager of the Yankees from fans of the Tampa Bay Rays. Of course not. <laughs> or, or the, you know, the, the Indians, the Cleveland Indians, or most other teams. Like, they're not going to feel sorry for the New York Yankees, given the fact that on a year-in and year-out basis, the Yankees outspend other teams by 30, 40, 50 percent. No, no, you're, 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 to me, you're, you're just stepping in quicksand. And every time you say, yeah, but someone else is going to say, yeah, but remember the Dodgers were just a lot better than you the next year and they didn't cheat. I, I just don't make the connection. And I'm sure most other people don't recognize that, that if, if there were no cheating by the Astros, the Yankees would have had their, their next world series title and their first since Oh nine. I that's, that's a, let's just say that's a grand Canyon size leap. Yep. A hundred percent. And it should have been something that he just kept to himself and, you know, uh, <laughs> shared that, shared that opinion with uh, you and I and, and others, you know, over right. a beer. Uh, but right. uh, you know, in terms of saying that out loud and on the record, I was surprised. All right, Ravi. Yeah. Uh, good to talk with you and I will see you in Atlanta next week. Look forward to it, man. All right, Buster. Thanks. You can now stream the most MLB games on DirecTV without a satellite dish. Yes, the clutch hits, the strikeouts, grand salamis, web gems, with nothing on your roof. So whoever's up there, whether it's roofers, Santa, birds, old-timey chimney sweeps, moody teenagers, thrill-seeking raccoons, you name it, they won't find a satellite dish. But you will find your MLB games on DirecTV. That means DirecTV is your home for baseball this season. Root, root, root with nothing on your roof. Call 1-800-DIRECTV or visit directtv.com. Sign up today. Claim based on total games carried on sports networks. Sports availability varies by zip code and requires choice package. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facilities safe and your people safer. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Todd Radom is the chief executive of our weekly quiz. He's a graphic artist whose work can be seen on ball fields all across America, all around the world, or you can go to his website, ToddRadom.com. Todd, how you doing? Buster, I'm doing well. It's April which means we've we've attained something special here. Are you an April Fool's guy? No, I absolutely hate it. What about you? No, I don't, I'm not really an April Fool's guy, although I just did retweet from the National Park Service uh, tweet they sent out that the, that they're planning on rotating Abraham Lincoln in the Lincoln Memorial uh, 180 degrees to <laughs> save on <laughs> to save on the erosion. Uh, in the exposure in the front, and I'm curious how many people bid on that one. That's a pretty good one, though. All right. I like that. I'll make an exception for really good ones like that, Buster. Okay. Speaking of Washington, uh, earlier this week, we saw the Washington Nationals announce that they're going to have a jersey with cherry blossoms on it. And I got to say, a lot of times when I see these, I'm not really a fan, but I really would love to get a cap with the cherry blossoms on it. What do you think of this? I'm with you, Buster. There are some of these city connect jerseys, as they call them, uh, that were 
you know, maybe less than good to be kind. But in this case, I absolutely love it. I think it's a relevant and reverent theme for DC. Anybody who's ever been down there this time of year know what knows what a, a big deal the cherry blossoms are. I thought it was nicely executed. I've seen a lot of people on social media griping about the fact that they didn't lean into the pink more than they did, to which I say, well, not everybody can wear an all pink outfit either on the field or somebody you know who's buying something like this at retail. But I really liked it, and I thought it was a really unique, uh, I don't know, necessarily a collaboration, but the timing of the announcement by the uh, Washington Wizards unveiling their own cherry blossom uniforms for next season in the NBA. Kind of a unique thing. Yeah, I love Taylor. What'd you think? Oh, I'm a big fan of the, these unis here, and I like them more than the Wizards ones. And I you know what, Todd, I didn't really consider it, but and I'm not a, I'm not uh, opposed to wearing pink or anything, but I, I think these ones are better and the Wizards ones are pink and they're kind of like washed out almost. I like the collaboration. I like where their head's at, but I prefer the Nationals uniform. I, I will say that there was one other detail of the Nationals uniforms that left me, I don't know, again, big, big letters that say WSH. Do any of us refer to Washington, D.C. by those three initials? No, no. I hate it. It's only Absolutely worse if you not. do WAS. That's awful, too. Yeah. yeah, or I mean, just why not a giant D.C. there? Come on. Blew it. Or a certain amount of pandering to the entire region, the DMV, Taylor. Yeah. Buster's exhausted <laughs> with this conversation. <laughs> yeah. DMV, bad connotations. Reminds me of standing online in lower Manhattan waiting to get a license renewed. Not a good thing. <laughs> All right. Let's get to this week's Phantom franchise. The first of your Phantom franchise presentations. Buster, we're starting out big. In 1934, the St. Louis Cardinals won the World Series, defeating the Detroit Tigers in seven games. All that year, both before the season and after, the Cardinals were rumored to be on the move to Detroit, a shift that seems inconceivable today and one that would have changed the course of baseball history. Cardinals owner Sam Breeden publicly floated the possibility of a move to Detroit a city that battled hard through the worst years of the Great Depression, buoyed by its championship sports teams. Baseball was hugely popular in the Motor City in these years. The Tigers led the majors in attendance in both 1934 and 1935, which is a pretty good example of why the shift never stood a chance. The Tigers would never have given up their exclusive territorial rights, something which would have been necessary for the Detroit Cardinals to have ever taken the field of play. A driving factor in the potential move was the Cardinals ballpark, Sportsman's Park, which was owned by the American League St. Louis Browns. Despite winning a championship, the Cardinals, the great gas house gang, drew only 4,222 fans per game in 1934, all the while paying rent to the Browns. The following year, Britain was quoted as saying, I think Detroit would be an ideal spot for the Cardinals, and I would go there in a minute if Tigers owner Frank Nabin opened the way for us to come in, but I doubt that he would want us. The 1935 Tigers won the World Series, and Nabin passed away a few weeks later. And the Cardinals, of course, stayed put in St. Louis, where they still play today, as one of MLB's flagship clubs. But, but in the depths of the Great Depression, they almost became the Detroit Cardinals, and they are this week's inaugural 
Phantom franchise. Wow. Uh, that's, <laughs> that would have been incredible. Because, you know, uh, as you know, the, the the fan base in St. Louis, that uh, generally speaking, when those uh, rankings are done, they're right near the top in terms of support uh, and how that franchise is viewed. And I, I mean, where this is, in some respects, we're going down fantasy lane a little bit. And I thought to myself, but boy, if you had a combination of the uh, Old English D on the caps of the Detroit Cardinals and the Cardinals uniforms as they are now, that pretty much would be an undefeated combo when we talk (laughs) about great uniforms and caps. Yes? Yeah. I mean, talk about a mighty, like, top inner circle Hall of Fame buster. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) All right, let's get to this week's quiz. How about Sarah? You know, she came out of the gate strong last week. She she uh, ties with me, gets it correctly, and she's not here this week, which means that by the end of today's quiz, she could be in first place by percentage points. I don't know how all this works. It's going to be very confusing, but we will forge on without Sarah when you guys are ready. Are you ready? I am ready. Taylor, are you ready to lose again? I mean, are you ready? Buster, all right. Read the question, Todd. Here we go. Going into the 2022 season, The Tigers' Miguel Cabrera needs 13 hits to get to 3,000 for his illustrious career. So here's this week's question. This player was the first to notch his 3,000th hit indoors. Was it A, Eddie Murray, B, Wade Boggs, C, Pete Rose, or D, Dave Winfield? First player to get his 3,000th hit indoors, Eddie Murray, Wade Boggs, Pete Rose or Dave Winfield? Wow. Taylor? Oh, no, I got it right. So I've got to go first. Um, I know one for sure, but I'm concerned about the other one. Uh, golly, this is a hard one. I'm going to go D, Dave Winfield. I'll, uh, I'll go Wade Boggs. Buster is on a roll. It was Dave Winfield. Mm. Our yes. friend Dave Winfield on... September 16th, 1993 in the Metrodome. Eddie Murray got his in the Metrodome, but this was a couple of years later in 95. Yeah. Boggs in the Trop in 99, Taylor. A little afterwards. Yeah. And Pete Rose at Riverfront Stadium in Cincy. So there we have it. Blood in the water. Yeah, very nice. 2-0. Mm-hmm. I, as I was going through to have a mental image of all these hits, and I was a little bit murky on Dave Winfield's, but uh, I, I went there. So Taylor, what's your excuse? Um, just lack of baseball knowledge. Honestly, it's really hurting. I shouldn't have agreed to participate in a baseball knowledge contest without any baseball knowledge. So, uh, you know, my bad. <laughs> I, I think you were still enraptured by the Washington Nationals cherry blossom uniforms, Taylor. That's true. Yeah, maybe. My, I think my wife might buy a hat this afternoon. I'm, I got to scope them out for her. You know, I got other things going on. Okay, so it is going to be a good day in the end, even though you lost the quiz. All right, Todd, mm. thanks for doing this. All right, guys. Thank you. Bleacher tweets. Already, Buster. Bleacher tweets for a Friday. First up, we have Todd Tyke at Tooth Tyke writes in. Every time I see this truck, I hope Buster gets well soon. And he sent the back of a truck that said, uh, it's from only Illinois, but uh, says only comma IL. Buster, are you feeling okay over there? Oh, come on. Like, I know it's April 1st, but that is not a pun. That's not a joke worthy of April 1st. What do you think, Todd? I appreciate it. By the way, I think it Takai. Is that Todd Takai, as in George Takai? Takai? Oh, I said Taikei. Mm. <laughs> Todd, 
I appreciate the sentiment. Thank you uh, for feeling for me and hoping that I'm doing better. But uh, yeah, next time you can do better too. (laughs) (laughs) T. Jones writes in Buster. What was Brian Cashman thinking? Yeah, I didn't get your take on that. Are you feeling sorry for the Yankees and Brian Cashman? Oh, my just sob story completely. I mean, they should they should make a movie about it, an epic novel, you know, a clear tearjerker in the uh, the state of the Yankees. If if only if only they had the resources to compete, Buster. (laughs) Oh, man. Let's go to Steve P at Steve P zero three. Steve writes in. Hey, at Buster Posey. Any significant updates on new stadiums or teams moving? Looking at you, t- Oakland and Tampa. Hashtag Bleacher Tweets, which is how I found it. A Buster Posey mix-up that is just classic. Yeah, not the first time, won't be the last time. There are many radio interviews that I've done that the host has introduced me as Buster Posey, and I've told the story. And I'm going to mute down the information, uh, hold hold back some information because I don't want to embarrass anybody. I once did a podcast interview in which the guest thought it was pretty clear at the outset that uh, the host of the podcast was Buster Posey. <laughs> That's fantastic. And probably, I mean, Buster, I love you. I think you are great at what you do, but probably a little bit of a disappointment when that happens for, uh... Oh, there's no <laughs> doubt about it. But yeah. And I, I, I hid the information. He probably was thinking, boy, Buster Posey doesn't sound like I would guess he sounds. <laughs> that is very funny. Uh, classic April Fool's Day joke you could pull there. Uh, Andy Felt is up next at Felt Andy. Andy writes in Buster, thank you for your podcast. As a Dodgers fan, I am concerned about who plays second base this year during spring. Muncie is only playing third and first. Do you think this means that Lux will be playing the majority of the time at second base? Or are you hearing something else? I think that that position will be in a state of flux for them all year. It'll depend on the matchups. It'll depend on, you know, do you have a ground ball pitcher on the mound? Who's best suited defensively? Chris Taylor, you know, we'll get some starts there. There'll be some other guys that they move in. I, you know, I think that at the end of the year, when we look at all the Dodger positions, second base will be the one where we see the most number of players used. Last one for the week, Richard Kelsey at That Chester Kid writes in, I'm betting Juan Soto will double the amount of Nationals wins in walks this year. What's the record for most walks drawn in a single season? Your friendly researcher over here looked it up. Barry Bonds, 232. That seems like a lot. Yeah, and he had over 100 intentional walks that year. I think the number that pops out of my mind is like 114. Uh, I think you're right. I think Juan Soto is going to get walked a lot. I would say this. The fact that the Nationals invested a lot of money in Nelson Cruz will at least make opposing managers feel a little bit differently. But in the end, I mean, how many guys would you rather pitch to than Juan Soto in the major leagues? Like everybody? (laughs) (laughs) All righty. That does it for Bleacher Tweets. Hashtag Bleacher Tweets on Twitter. And please follow, rate, and review this podcast wherever you listen to your podcasts. That's it for today. That's it for this week. My thanks to Ravi, Todd, and Taylor. Have a great day, everybody. Have a great weekend. Stay safe. Thanks for listening. And remember, hate and inequality based on skin color is something we need to fight against every single day. Thanks for listening to the Baseball Tonight podcast. If you're playing fantasy baseball, check out the Fantasy Focus podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. The Baseball Tonight podcast. Dogs are an important part of our lives. That means protecting them from parasites. Ask your vet about NexGuard Plus, a Foxaloner, Moxidectin, and pyrantal chewable tablets. NexGuard Plus Chews provides one-and-done monthly protection against fleas, ticks, 
heartworm disease, roundworms, and hookworms. Plus, they're delicious and easy to give. Use with caution in dogs with a history of seizures or neurological disorders. Dogs should be tested for existing heartworm infection prior to starting a preventive. Ask about NextGuard Plus Chews.